This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. word intrepid i don't know if it's appropriate but i've already started drinking uh rebecca rosenberg okay drinking real quick out of our glasses so we have our drinking with author swag i actually made a gin and tonic with way too much gin but i put in hibiscus leaves and um another thing that was anyway it came from a friend of mine in italy it's super fancy you guys can see it in the top of my cup if you're watching youtube anyway super fancy Vanessa, what are you Very nice. oh my gosh well mine is nothing fancy compared to that but it there is a little bit of rum and coke right in there so i don't know if you can really i don't want to spill it on my stuff well, well, but thank it's you in for there sharing the rum and coke yeah but well, back, i don't have any drinking. sprigs of anything on it well before I tell you what I'm drinking, I am drinking, well, I'm drinking champagne, of course, and I'm drinking a very special champagne called Vogue Clicquot, and that is what my book is about. Vogue Clicquot means the widow Clicquot, and the book is all about the widow who started this winery, which is one of the biggest champagne houses in the world um, in the 1800s. So, Cheers to that. Cheers. 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 I wanted to tell you, Erica, that my favorite, favorite cocktail is made with gin and champagne. And and it's called a French 75. So gin and champagne are so yummy. And I happen to live and grow lavender, lavender, the flowers. And in the uh, French 75, if you make it with lavender, it's really delicious. So check that out. Mm. I will definitely have to check that out. So (laughs) my favorite, favorite cocktail. Well, that involves me drinking more gin. I've become a fan of gin, I have to say, honestly. In about the last decade, I started drinking gin drinks. I started with this one that had cucumber in it. And then I, cause I always thought gin tasted terrible for some reason. I had never tasted it. And now I'm like, I'd have gin, gin over vodka any day of the week. <laughs> well, it has, a, it has a very sophisticated flavor and the lavender adds to that. And the champagne is like your mixer. Like, do you have any kind of mixer in your gin right now? Oh, no, I have. Well, it's a gin and tonic. Oh, but like I said, I put this, these hibiscus leaves in Bergmont. Is that what this is? I don't know. Oh, that's, so you're drinking very similar actually to this French 75. So you'll have to check it out. Except instead of tonic, you're using champagne. All that the just better. sounds like I'm going to get drunk really quick, which I appreciate. <laughs> I'll definitely have to try that. Okay. okay. So, um, let, well, as we're talking about champagne, that's what we're going to talk about the whole podcast. Um, let's actually talk about when did you start writing? We were cyber stalking you a little bit because that's what we do. That's how we roll <laughs> here at this podcast is we cyber stalk oh, people. Scary. A little scary. <laughs> that's okay. We like <laughs> to come across as both excited and scary as, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but when did you start writing? Oh, let me see. I haven't even counted the years, but maybe 15 years ago. And I started on my first book, which was called Gold Digger. I love writing about women who people don't know about and that really lived and that did incredible things. I mean, that's my favorite thing because women, if you read in history, women didn't exist before now. You knew that, right? It's not in history anywhere. (laughs) Women never did anything. And so when I find these incredible women that did amazing things, I love to write about them. And the first one was uh, Gold Digger, and she was a young, I have that book right here. She was a young 20-year-old, and she came west to mine a gold mine. 
and she ended up pregnant and abandoned and mined that mine alone. And she met an old prospector and they got married. Well, they had a very long and torrid affair. They got married and they were the most scandalous, richest couple in America. And that is a true story from 1879. So, and her name is Baby Doe Tabor. And that is an actual um, portrait of her there. So she was the one who really got me started on writing. And then I went into um, Mrs. London, who was Jack London's wife and who had an affair with Houdini. So she, oh, I, wow. yeah, that was pretty incredible. I live here in uh, Sonoma County in wine country, of course, with my love of champagne. And Jack London and Charmian London had a thousand acre ranch right across the way from me here. And I was totally intrigued when I found out that she was a horsewoman and a concert pianist and that she actually did all of his editing of 50 books in 15 years. And he was a big drinker. So he, you know, Jack London, you probably know that with this group. Uh, Jack London was a big, big drinker. And so who really wrote those books? Yes, they were his brainchild, but it was Charmian London who really spent the rest of the day writing those books. So I loved writing about her. And then, then you've got my third novel here, Champagne Widows. And this one is about Barbie Nicole Clicquot. And she is a 20, again, this young 20-something. And this is in a time in the 1800s with Napoleon as the emperor that women were not allowed to own any businesses at all and no property at all. And yet she figured out a way around him and all of his sexist laws to create her own champagne house. So she was really incredible. And actually, Vanessa just told me that she's been to Boucliqueau. Yeah, I, I was like, oh my God, I've been there. I was, I was lucky, lucky to go before the pandemic. And I loved hearing about her story. You know, uh, she, she really, she really paved the way. So I'm, when I, when you said that you, that that's what you were writing about, I was like, oh my God, I freaked out. So yeah, it's pretty it cool. cool. And that's why I like to write about these women, because why, why haven't there been more books about all of them? In fact, this book, um, Champagne Widows, is the first in a series, and I'm going to be writing about the other Champagne Widows because there are actually a number of them, and the next, the book that I'm writing right now is about Madame Pomery, mm. and did you go when you were there, Vanessa? No, I did not. That was one, it was, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember what the other two I went to, but it was not, it was not that one, no. Okay. Well, that she has a fascinating story also. So it's it's fun to um, and they they came at different points in history. So the stories are completely different and they are completely different. So it's fun to yeah. dig into that. Wow. And, and like how much because you're writing about real people. So uh, and I know you've been to these places, but do you, do you make it a point that if you hadn't been and you heard a story about a specific person that you, that interests you, did you do go to those locations or do you do more book research? No, not for me. Let's see the Mrs. London here. Here's um, the secret life of Mrs. London. So in this case, this I was able to write the entire book sitting on their property. Oh. And so you can smell what they, yeah, because it's a thousand acre ranch that's right across from me called Jack London Park now. And just to sit there on a picnic table outside their little cottage and to walk down to their giant mansion that they were building and that burned down before they moved in and the mystery of that this one's a mystery 
And then the fact that they knew, everybody that they knew was famous and bigger than life, like Houdini and his wife. And so just to experience those things as they did is really important to me. And with Gold Digger, I actually went um, to Colorado. First of all, I'm from Colorado, and she was from Colorado. So I would go there, and she lived in two major towns, and I would just spend weeks there by myself writing. And again, like that is where this is located, where all the gold mines and silver mines are. It's 14,000 feet. Oh, my God. Up, like altitude. And so you you feel entirely different. You know, your nasal passages are all dried out and your eyeballs hurt from the inside. And so you have to feel all those things that she felt as a 20 year old. And they get snow that's like eight feet deep during the winter and never goes away. So she's feeling all those things. And then of course, um, Booth Clicquot is a whole other story and it's, and you have to be there for me, you have to be there, but I take a long time to write novels. Like, a lot of, you know, some people can write a couple a year or one year, and it takes me two or three years to write novels. And probably because of the way that I do it, I go and I really experience that and I do a ton of research. So it's fun though. That's my life. I love it. Awesome. Do you think Oh, I'm sorry, Erica. No, it's okay. I was going to ask, like, so I think that the stories are completely fascinating. And I think it's amazing to tell stories. You know, it's great to tell a story of Abraham Lincoln. Everybody's met Abraham Lincoln. Not that you can't do something different with Abraham Lincoln, but to find people to tell stories about that haven't been told before, I think is just thoroughly amazing. But what were you prior to this? Before you were like, you know what, I'm going to go write novels and be on plantations and like, I'm going to do cool crap. Well, I have, I'm looking for my lavender book. So I am a lavender grower. And my Ooh. first book, how I got into this whole book writing, I can't see it now. I moved everything around, can't see it. My first book was about lavender. And so that's, and I had been in advertising and a writer and a creative director all my life. So to, to then segue into um, having this lavender business up here in, in the middle, like I'm looking right now out in the vineyards. I am actually looking past you through the vineyards. So I live in the vineyards and I live on lavender and it just seemed like a great thing to do after, after corporate world because I was sick of advertising and marketing so I started writing about lavender and growing lavender and then it just snowballed into there like what else would I like to write about and I have I have so many I have about three women who are bothering me in my head like tell my story tell my story and one um just one that I'm dying to tell you about and she has to wait because I have to finish the Champagne Widows. But imagine this woman, her name is Moira and she lived in Italy and she was the circus queen. Did you ever hear of her? She lived in Venice actually. She was the circus queen and she was in many different movies as well. So she traveled all through Europe and she was the circus queen and she only lived in her wagon her entire life. And so you know, I got to tell, let's see, I'm forgetting her last name, but see what happens when you're drinking champagne. You can't <laughs> I know what happens when I drink on this show. That's the reason I started drinking on this show. I was like, you know what? It's a good thing. Makes you if happy. I mess up anything, nobody will think it's anything other than my drinking. You can still look it up though. If you... <laughs> Her name is Moira Orphy. Orphy, I remembered. Her name is Orphy. So she is like, oh my God, that story, that is just so amazing. And she was in movies. She was in movies and she was very famous and very beautiful. And her funeral was in Venice. And I've already done some research. So this is the a problem when you find these people is her biographer wrote a book in Italian. 
So I'm going to have to learn Italian to um, understand that story. Oh, well, that's, are you, that's are you gonna... research right there as a writer. Yeah. Like, that's not just, yeah. I'm going to spend hours Googling something. No. You're like, I'm going to learn a whole other language. Well, <laughs> I've had to do that with Madame Pomery. Um, so I showed you that blue bottle, Madame Pomery. Everything that's written about her is because she's a little lesser known than, than Bocquicau. So everything that's been written about her is in French. And so I've actually been taking French for a year and a half to read these books. It's like crazy. <laughs> wow. It's kind of fun. I don't feel nearly as committed to my authorship now. I'm just saying, I don't know about you. Ooh. When do they start giving out weapons as part Wait a minute. of wine? Is that, is that to, that is that to uh, do a cut the cork? Off of champagne yes, or the yes, next good. Vanessa. I see yeah. she's a co-host because she knows her stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I, you guys I'm gotta watch the YouTube of this. Is she's wielding this weapon or oh my gosh, are you gonna do it? <laughs> I can't because I'm in my writing studio. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna show you how it's done. I'm gonna tell you who did it. So, um, okay, so we're, we were just talking about research and how would you like to read books this thick on a minor character in the book named Napoleon? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So the person that Bocquicot is fighting the whole way through the book is Napoleon who started out as a revolutionary, but he made himself emperor of France. And he was trying to take over all of Europe by waging 13 years of war, just as she's trying to do this. And Napoleon, in case you ever come across this question in trivia, Napoleon was the one who invented sabering. And what? Yeah, Napoleon. Him. There you go. So you could win Jeopardy and no one else would know. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like we can now put in the byline of this show that you will learn things. You will learn right. lots of things. So, <laughs> yes. And now I want to show you exactly how you're going to go home and do this, everybody. Because all you have to do is slide this like any saber, you, you'll have sabers, you know, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. I, I'm sure. I have, it, like, I have it right here, my nightstand drawer ready. You know? I want you to know how nice this is. So I don't have a gun, but do I need it? I don't think so. I don't know. That's pretty like medieval. Like just go in there and like someone comes to your door and you just show that. I don't know. I would be scared if I saw you with that. Yeah, this is Who needs actually, a gun? this was given to us when we moved when we rebuilt our house, I'll tell that story in a second. But first, I'm going to show you how to savor. Okay. So you take this bottle, you're holding it very tightly in your hand, and you slide this along the bottle, and then with more force than I'm doing now, and you go boom. And you don't even have to take this off. If you catch this lip of the bottle, that cork and everything with it is going to fly and all the champagne will come spurting out and it's very exciting. So you just go, boom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not gonna lie. I may be doing that in my driveway tomorrow to see how that goes. <laughs> well, we just did it at my daughter's wedding and it was so much fun. Oh. And we've done it every we do it um, every New Year's because it's fun and it's not hard to do. So go for it. <laughs> That's the so education cool. on drinking with authors is astronomical. I'm just I'm <laughs> throwing that out there. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, you had another story to tell. Sure. Tell us the other story. Oh, I have to think of what it was. Oh, just that was, um, oh, this is what it was. So I live in Northern California and in uh, Sonoma County, which is one hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And we need to know all the grapes all around us, but we've been having fires. You guys know we've been having 
Yeah. Lots and lots. Of years. And in 2017, our house burned down right here where I am right now. Oh, man. It rebuilt the house. And all of our friends who didn't have them burnt down um, were so sweet and came with gifts when we moved in. And we call our new home Rev de Lavender. And that means oh. the lavender because we have five acres of lavender. And so it was just a dream to come back and plant it all again. So that was really sweet that my friend gave me this. And it actually sits in this beautiful holder. That's so cool. I am so sorry so about cool. your home. Like that's, that's it's devastating. Awesome. Now it's all back and we've replanted. So it is yet again. So this is my friend owns Breathless Wines. And I want to show you um, this exciting thing. So my cover of my book, which you've seen, is by an artist from 1915. And when I was looking for covers, I couldn't find anything that I liked. And so my girlfriend said, well, why don't you use the artwork that I use on my wine, Breathless Wine? And so she allowed me to use this artwork for my cover. And I just think it's incredible. And especially because it's from that era and all about the spirit. Like, do you see that she's sitting on a cork popping from a champagne so she was an amazing person so she deserved this gorgeous cover. not only that there's a bottle of wine you can drink that matches the book what is the wine we can yeah out your friend on here what is the wine okay well this is actually it's called breathless breathless and it is breathlesswines.com and they actually sell gift sets of the book and the wine together that is so neat that is amazing it is really cool we haven't started marketing that but it's on their website right now so breathless um wines so i will tell you wines i love it you should that's like the ultimate uh book club duo like seriously i mean i just can imagine that That, that's perfect (laughs) i agree one thousand percent yeah, 1,000%. And they have a beautiful gift box and they package it really nicely and it's going to be $49. So you can get it now for Christmas gifts and all that. It's really fun. Yeah, you but should I, definitely have a book club questions. If you don't already, you should put those. I do. Oh, I, I'm like, yeah, that would be Oh, perfect. that's a good idea. Oh, got it. I hadn't thought of putting the book club questions with the gift set. That's a good idea. I'm telling you that that is like the perfect thing. I I, I would yeah. definitely want to do that with my gal pals. Just drink, read a great book, especially the fact that you're learning about you know a badass woman who basically yeah. is paving the way. And like uh, yeah, for sure. I have a different. Um, I have a book club deal. Should I tell yeah. about that? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so if you have a book club and you want to order so these the paperbacks aren't really out until um, March 1st of next year for women's history for women's history month and uh, that is you know what the publisher wanted to do and I think it's a great idea but I have arcs so these are arcs which are the advanced reader copies so if book clubs want to do a a whole session and and I would attend it on Zoom, which would be a lot of fun. Um, I will send them the arcs and I will send them all these goodies for each member. Oh, this is so much fun. So the, this is, and they're all um, branded with champagne. Oh my goodness, goodness. look at that. So, so I have bath bombs. This is a bath bomb. See, I yeah. have champagne jelly beans and yes. each person and I have champagne. Um, where is it? I have champagne bubbles. So this is like you can blow bubbles. 
you know. Oh, that's so cool. Vanessa, I think we need to form a book club so we can. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, um, let's catch it. Did you see these two earrings? Did you see these two? Yes, what those were so you? adorable. I didn't even notice it. So you are literally the champagne queen right here. I am the you champagne queen. with a champagne <laughs> bottle. <laughs> it sounds good. But these two would go if you if they join my review crew, they get champagne earrings. Awesome. Well, this is an awesome promotion. Oh. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you must. I mean, oh you're my goodness. Perfect. I'm super jealous. I'm like, okay, with my horror book, should I send out duct tape and rope? rope? Yes, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to give duct tape and rope. And no, just kidding. You know what? You can just give people clue, the game clue. Oh, I like it. No? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not Erica, going. Erica's her. like, oh, you're killing me. Ness is like, I write all this really nice stuff. I'm, I kill people. And I'm like, can I send chloroform out to people? Would that be frowned upon? Oh <laughs> oh and you're goodness. standing at the post office and they're saying, does it explode? Is it liquid? <laughs> and you're saying, mm, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like, no, it's fine. FBI shows up at my door. I'm like, it's for a book club. Yeah, no, nothing suspicious here. No, this body bag is just a swag bag. It's not a body bag. That's all oh, it is. Oh, body bags with my, oh, that's done and done. I'm making a note, actually. I have a post-it <laughs> and I'm making a note. I'm going to give away body bags when I release my book. You know, uh, Halloween is coming, Erica, and I'm sure you have 10 gruesome things about your books that you could tell, right? Oh, yeah. Fun blogs to do. Oh, yeah. I just was with, with this book. There are so many gruesome things that they used to do. Like they used to, you know, put leeches on your body to suck out all the dangerous stuff. They used to drill into your head to release your mental illness yeah. <laughs> and uh, to cut your neck with a guillotine and so I just did a fun blog like that that's right up your alley I just love that you said I did a fun blog like that after saying <laughs> leeches drilling holes and cutting people's heads off you're like I did a fun blog like that that's like a typical <laughs> Tuesday for Erica, like seriously. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we have to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. people's heads off anymore because apparently that's illegal whatever rules. okay <laughs> okay so you were in advertising and stuff and when you started what was the biggest difficulty you encountered when you were like i'm gonna write a book oh my that's a tough question <laughs> i was um planting lavender at the time and selling lavender and so that was my day job actually, and writing a book was for fun. And my, actually my first book was about lavender. So I combined those two things and that was fun. What's the biggest difficulty? It's always finding the time and sitting down and writing, right? And mm -hmm. so I do it always super early, like honestly, four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning before everything, before real life enters your brain and starts um, bugging you. I have to come in here, light a candle and have my coffee and start. I, I like to call it free writing, free writing, because then I'm excited that I get that 
character that she can just do what she needs to do instead of thinking about structure and character development and you know all the things that go into writing. I love that free writing. Got it. That sounds amazing. I was just about to say, like, I can imagine you just, I can imagine you sitting there free riding with your candle and then the sun coming up over like your lavender field while you're sipping coffee. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm jealous. I'm I'm slightly jealous. (laughs) Vanessa, are you a writer? Yes, I am. I, I write, I write high fantasy but I'm very intrigued about what you write. Like I, that's, I, I think what you write is pretty amazing. Thank you. Well, my daughter would love your writing. Then. <laughs> she loves but there are some fantasy elements in what I wrote. I oh, have, yeah. I, I really believe, you know, that life is multidimensional, that it's not just what happens but it's what people are thinking, what they imagine. And I have magical creatures in here, like the Matago is a black enchanted cat that will either scratch your eyes out or give you riches. And I, I always have magic in my books. I love that because people live with that. We all live with magical elements of our life and we imagine things you know, that are happening and memories that are happening that aren't quite real. And I love including that. I do have to ask this question because lavender is literally my favorite scent. My boyfriend would tell you that I kill him with it because I choose every (laughs) dish up. Everything is lavender. But what is it like living around lavender? I just have to ask because I'm like, that would be the best thing ever. I just found, I just saw the book. (laughs) Okay, so that is a photograph of our lavender fields. And my husband is the photographer, so he did that. So that's what it's like. Can you get that? That is just like. What is the best months? Like, I just imagine like this amazing scent. What is like the best months where that aroma is just, I don't know, June? June. It's only June. So that's kind of the magical quality about it is that it um, all year, it's just a little green bush. And then in May, it starts pushing up those flowers. And then by June 26, every year, we um, that's the magical time. I'll show you some pictures of our property. Um, magical time and it smells amazing. And then it's all over July 4th it's done. So you have to live it all over again. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of like midsummer night dream. So this is our property. And here's oh wow, my husband and I there. So that's us in younger years. So we have our lavender fields and our lavender colored barn and our oak tree, our giant, it's like a 500 year oak tree. There's we have our lavender barn oh. and then the lavender fields. So it is, it truly is a dream come true to live and the, see the mountains behind too. I love that. Like how, how long does it take once you plant for the first time? before it's eight you're able to actually cut it and you know because my my cousin actually has a blueberry farm and I knew like hearing about his process like once he planted it he had to wait a couple seasons before it really started to produce like how long does that take to kind of really start really, that process? even when you buy a little plant like we planted uh two and a half inch plants and they produced like the second year you're you're going to get the first year but until there's enough and when it's really a big beautiful plant there are 700 stalks of lavender on each plant and then you have to harvest it's a lot of work too if you're really in the business but we enjoyed it we did that actually for 20 years and we were we're the largest manufacturer of lavender products. And you could see, we sold that business the, right before our house burned. 
which was really weird. It's like, talk about magical, strange things. So we sold our business of 20 years and then our house and our whole property burned up in like one month later. So, but you could still see that business, um, SonomaLavender.com and it's doing great. And the guys we sold it to are great. And we love, I still adore lavender. Every night when I can't sleep, I'm putting, do you do this? Do you put lavender oil here? Yeah, I'm like, okay. Met, oh met yeah, my, yeah, my cousin had, I can't remember what brand. She has like these lavender soaps that her boyfriend, he was like, ooh, what's this? What's this? And, he, and she basically yelled at him, was like, stop touching my lavender soap. Because <laughs> it's so addictive and it's like so calming and nice. And yeah, yeah we would yeah. fight over, she would, she would gift those out, but we would fight over and be like, don't touch my lavender soap. <laughs> like seriously. Well, man, I, you know, over the years, I uh, researched, Tons about lavender. I designed all the products, like two, 300 products of lavender, all different things. And I discovered that men love lavender and it actually turns them on. You said it was a, an adult program. Ooh. If you look, if you Google this, lavender and pumpkin spice turns men's on, men on. So really? Pumpkin spice turns men on. Yeah, this is interesting. Those because together. Wow. <laughs> Go you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. I'm it's Googling it Chicago. right now as we're on this podcast. She's, she's going she's gonna to experiment on poor Jonathan later, her boyfriend. He's going to okay. like, it's what is this? Chicago Institute of Smell and Taste. Mm. So there's a fact for you. <laughs> that is so Did funny. You- <laughs> I'm Googling Oh, yeah, it says the smell of pumpkin was the most powerful turn on, especially when mixed with the fragrance of lavender. 40% of the test subjects were aroused the most by the combination of spells. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so we had a few products like that. (laughs) Yeah, top sexy scents, pumpkin vine lavender for men. Oh my wow. gosh. You should do, and so you should have like a books, like a book club set. And then one for men, like champagne, the book and some like pumpkin lavender mixed. Yeah. Together. Yeah. I have to do that. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> wow. I love this poll. I want to learn five things on this show. This is amazing. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the book. <laughs> oh, hey, let's, let's talk. About, so you said your writing price was process. Wow. Gin, me, gin and hibiscus are having a good time right now. Um, you said your writing process took, takes a while. What, why do you say that? How long does a book take you? Well, this is, oh, a book takes, I would say two years minimum. And this is why, like I showed you Napoleon's volume that I have to go through. And then it got, I mean, actually pulled these books just to show you, just to show you that you've got champagne you have to learn about and then you have to do um i wanted fantasy and there's french this is called french decadent tales you know from the 1800s this was written in the 1800s so i wanted these decadent stories and everything then then and here's another one that's like that the passion you know and they're all french so i wanted some interesting things like that then i had to learn so my heroine here, Barbara Nicole Clicquot, has a curse put on her from birth, and that is called Lene. And Lene is the curse of the nose. And I had to discover more about that. And so I started reading, this is actually one of my favorite books that I ever read. And I read it way back when, I had to buy an old copy to reread it so I would understand someone who had the same property, Lene. And this is a great murder mystery book. You would love it. You would love it. Maybe both of you would love it. Perfume. It's called Perfume, the Story of a Murderer. Get it? So, oh. <laughs> so this is Erica, this is perfect for you, my dear. It sounds yeah. perfect. And this, then you have to find out about who you know, you're 
creating characters and they came from that era and I don't know everything about that era. So I have to read about who were the people and then I discover who they could be, you know, each of the characters. So you've got to discover that. And then yeah, and you also have to, and you said you learned the language as well. So that I, you also have to keep that in A little bit. I got that going on. And so then you have the problems of the day. And the pro, and they're really, I really used um, this a lot in the novel. Like, what were the weird things that happened? And I found out that they got poisoned by their clothing because it was all dyed with arsenic and it was killing them. And so the mother. How's that problem? So you've got to do that. Then I have to, of course, you got to do research on the character herself, both Clipel. So I've got that. And then, and then, uh, let's see. We're about to block the camera. This is going so yeah. high. I love this. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Now, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> to my chin in research. But you know what, though, that I think really shows in the book. Like, I think research as a like as a writer is very intimidating you know and it's it's such an important component not obviously for historical when you're writing about a real fig a historical figure but even in like fantasy or any genre really I mean everyone should take the time to do some type of research you know, for Erica, it's just making sure, you know, the police don't come after her because she's Googling how to dismember a body or something like that. But yeah, I, I have made it very clear to my friends and my boyfriend that the moment I'm arrested, please take the stack of my books into the police department and explain <laughs> the situation because that's going to happen one day. Yeah, that is scary. I think about that too, because I have a gay brother and in the 1800s gay, I mean gay brother in Champagne Widows and I had to research what does and doesn't happen you know what they were doing and there was a huge gay community that was when Oscar Wilde this book was written while Oscar Wilde was living and he was in prison for being gay and so her brother being gay to highlight what the issues were and how they were and all that. I love research though. It's That's exciting. Yeah. It's tough not to let it, like you said, Vanessa, it's tough not to let it get in the way of the story. So yeah. you have to, what I do is I write the story and I try not to stop myself. Remember that free time in the morning I create. So I, I do free writing in the morning and get that story down. And then in the afternoon, I'll research what the details of that are. Now, so. do you, when you're doing like, how do you keep yourself, I think, motivated? So, cause sometimes, you know, people forget to be kind to themselves. Like sometimes you can't have a word count to show progress you know, so how do you, like, after a session, like, how do you say, okay, I feel accomplished? Like, is it a certain word count? Is it a certain amount of pages of research you read? You know, how do you, how do you kind of give yourself kudos in a way, if you're not necessarily writing words or not? That's a good question. I am, because of COVID, especially, I feel like it's really important to just be kind to ourselves. And it's hard to make money at writing books anyway, like close to impossible. So I've just given that idea up. I'm just, that's not part of what I need to do. That's okay. Life happens to all of us. Okay, no problem. But um, so during COVID, actually, this should have come out last year. And with COVID, that's, that's just terrible. Like, whoops. What is, is happening, Vanessa? Sorry, it looked, my mom was trying to FaceTime me and I was like, no, X, X. You kind of love technology. We're all in this technological world. And then yeah. like, yeah. hey, and it's, and it's we're going to find a loophole. Yeah, I'm sorry. No problem. Anyway, for... This book was supposed to come out last year during COVID. And I said, there's no way that a book called Champagne Widows is going to matter to anyone. And then I do want to say this about that, that 
you know, champagne is a very celebratory and exciting thing, but what this book is actually about is a woman who had to battle pandemics and mental illness and wars and sexist laws, like all the same things, all the exact same things that we're fighting today. And I didn't realize that when I was writing it. I didn't try to write it that way. It's actually what was happening then, which freaks me out. But I'm better. I'm happier uh, releasing it this year than last year, which was a mess. So I just gave myself a break and said, you don't have to do this. You know, you don't have to push forward that way. Yeah. So you were talking earlier about your next endeavor. What is your next endeavor after our champagne friend here? Well, this one, I'm writing the two sequels. So um, Pomery, and then there's another champagne widow that I want to write about named Bollinger. And she's very exciting too. And they have really different stories. And then I have halfway written. Do you guys have halfway written books? Sitting a graveyard on. of half. I have a full graveyard of them. Yes. yes. So Pomery <laughs> is half written and the sequel to Goldigger is half written because baby Doe Tabor had a daughter named Silver Dollar Tabor, if you can believe oh. it. Silver Dollar. And she is a total story. So I have two half books that I'd like to finish. Wow. How many, when you sit down in, at your four o'clock and the light coming over the lavender, I'm just giving everybody the visual again and the coffee. And I just want to imagine you with the feathers around you drinking champagne during this. <laughs> but um, when you go to do that, how much words, words can you get down on a paper in like a couple hours? How, how fast can a you thousand. actually write? A thousand. If I'm in that flow, a thousand. And Jack London always wrote a thousand words a day. I haven't gotten to the everyday part of that, you know, because it's hard to, as you guys know, it's hard to write and also market the book. Like right now, to be honest, my heart is in this because it's my baby and I have to take care of that baby before you start another baby. So I'm halfway done with Madame Pomery, but I have a new idea. Have you ever done, um, what's it called? Rymo? What's it Anorimo? called? That November. Anorimo. Yeah. yeah. Have you done it? Uh, I have, and I never won. But I still do it because you know what? Even I, I do get more words out in that month than I do in other months. And it's nice to have that community of writers uh, cheering you cheering everyone on so for you know for the listeners who don't know what anarimo the idea is to write fifty thousand words in one month which is a hundred and uh i'm sorry 1667 words every day for the month of november so i tend to write a, a good amount of words so hopefully this year will be my winning year that's 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 the that's the goal and by winning you mean winning that that 50,000. 50, yeah, I think well, the most I, I've done is 25. I would like to do that. Um, I never wanted to do it before because I don't write that fast, but I know the story that I'm trying to tell with Madame Pomery, and it's just been being interrupted by COVID and family things and marketing champagne widows. So I'm going to do it this year. So I'll Ooh. be there. All right. Do you sign up on a website? You can, it's not required, um, but basically you can create a profile. And what's really neat about it is famous authors will do like an inspiration letter that they'll do. And you can even see the ones from past years. And it's kind of really motivating to see these famous writers talk about their struggles in writing and how they kind of like overcome those and try to help inspire, you know, anyone participating in NaNoWriMo. So it's nice to have a profile and go on the website to see that. And then you can have a counter to put, you know, put in how many words so you can see your progression. There's like a little graph, um, but you don't have to. Um, but the nice thing about it is it does send you notifications to your email about people locally to you who are participating in NaNo. So if you're the kind of person that feels comfortable 
meeting other writers, uh, you know, in a local uh, Barnes and Noble or coffee shop, they'll have those posted of, you know, hey, we're meeting up here to go write. And it's just, it's again, if you don't have your own writing group, it's a great way to meet new people and kind of make that community and kind of force you to to really put in the effort in the writing. Cause we, you know, let's be honest, we all give give ourselves excuses for not writing. So it's, it's kind of a nice way to kind of motivate you. Sounds fun. What about you, Erica? Have you done it? I did and I actually successfully finished a book with a partner one nano. Wow. And then we didn't finish it again. I also write chick lit erotica. And so we wow. finished a book together. <laughs> And it was written, characters are half him, half me. I've, we're working on the sequel right now, and it's taken us a couple, way longer than it should have. But, yeah. Is this a 72 match? Yeah, it's 72% match. The sequel is called, it was meant to be or whatever. So, <laughs> um, that's actually, no, they're I fun like books. It. They're terrible people, but they're really fun books. Oh my gosh. Okay. We are actually getting to the end of the first podcast. So what advice would you give writers out there, Rebecca, if you could give one piece of advice? I would, um, I like what you said, Vanessa, to give yourself, be kind to yourself, but I would, I would give the advice to try this free writing thing because it feels like a free reign instead of, oh my God, I've got to hit this thing and that thing and the other thing. So give yourself that morning to do free writing because that is the best stuff. And that's where your subconscious goes, wow, and this character can do this. And what about this? So I love free writing. That's my advice. And to write every morning, easier said than done, but a good idea. No, it's perfect. Okay, so where can people find you? Because you have a website, correct? Yes. So it's RebeccaRosenberg.com. So I did it. And Ooh. if you'd like to, <laughs> if you'd like to join my Champagne Widows Review Crew, please email me at Rebecca at Rebecca-Rosenberg.com. And then there's lots more fun stuff on my website too. So I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. I've learned so many things on this podcast. I'm like walking away going, and now I'm incredibly jealous that I can't look out. I, I, I live in North Carolina now, so I see beautiful mountains, but I'm like, they could be covered in lavender. What is happening here? <laughs> oh my goodness. So guys this has been drinking with authors i've been your host erica williams my co-host has been the amazing vanessa valiente and our guest has been the educational that's the word i'm going to use now rebecca rosenberg thank you so much for being on this podcast cheers and we'll see you next time